0: And now, another cup of. The London Fog.
1: Happy Christmas. Welcome back, guys, to The London Fog. This is Kate. And today, Leah and I will be recording separately. As the holiday times come around, I am sure all of us can relate with there is just not enough time in the day to get things done. And with Leah being a new mom this past year, um, getting things on schedule with baby can be difficult. So we are recording separately. We're going to be discussing British Christmas stories, short stories. There's so many out there. We have Charles Dickens. Christmas Carol, of course, is so popular and famous, but we decided to go from anything just kind of across the board. It could be something old, something new, something different, and hopefully just to add a little bit of easy listening during your Christmas season, whether you be spending it with family and loved ones and you need to get something cleaned. I listen to podcasts nonstop when I'm cleaning, so just plug on in and have a little bit of a British story. And or if you are spending this holiday time alone, you are not alone. You have us and we are so happy that you let us into your lives as 2020 is finally coming to a close. We do, I want to rush it. No, I mean, I got married this year. I met the love of my life last year and this year has been a building experience, uh, for everybody, but there's certain highlights doing quarantine birthdays, the world going topsy turvy over toilet paper for no good reason. Um, and whatever else, there are some things, the memes, the memes of 2020, where they should be categorized and saved for future generations because they are so iconic, but there are these little silly things that have certainly helped get us through these crazy times, but There's also, for many people out there, a lot of heartache, and we want to try and do our part to lighten the load during this, can be a bit of a stressful time of the year, Christmas time, but we definitely love it. It's certainly a very exciting and magical time of year, and we get the opportunity to find new things coming in our new year. So, for anybody that has been impacted this last year, haven't we all? Let's just all take a breath together and sit down with a cup of London fog and just breathe into a beautiful 2021, which I'm sure it will be. So, like I said, Leah and I are recording separately today, so not quite as much of an intro as you guys are probably used to, and likely this will become a shorter episode. But we decided to discuss Christmas short stories because it seems so iconic. I don't know about you, but I can't seem to sit down at the Christmas holiday season and read a whole book. Between, I mean, and this is COVID season, right? Uh, between cookie baking and trying to get things packaged up so that my husband and I look like responsible adults, like which we're not. Um, it, that takes a lot of time. Um, also, just having like the reality check of being a bit depressed, letting things kind of roll off that you didn't get done throughout the year. Um, I don't have time to read a full book. And though I love A Christmas Carol and I love some good uh, Charles Dickens, it is too long, just too much for me to do. So, uh Lena and I thought it would be fun to find... Christmas stories, short stories that just bring a little bit of something fun into each of our lives. And so I went reading and please just Google Christmas short stories and you can find some dark, some funny, some horror there. Everything across the board is there. And we just decided to pick some authors, British authors that we could highlight a bit of their work. So my story is coming from the author Neil Gaim. He is a British author. He has a comic book series called The Sandman and Novels, um, Stardust, American Gods, Coraline, and The Graveyard Book. He's one multiple, uh, awards as well as ones that we kind of all know, at least I know the gold stamps that you'd find on like children's books as a kid, like Newbery and Carnegie medals. So very, very cool guy. He was, uh, born November 10th of 1960 in, um, Hampshire, England. He's currently 60. I believe he still lives there presently. Um, and yeah, didn't get much into his uh, his life, but I think it's uh, interesting. I I chose this story by him that kind of highlights. Um, it's not just a story, a short story written fictitiously, but he actually writes it about his own life and experience at Christmas time. So he uh, labels himself as a Polish Jewish descent. And so this story is called Hanukkah with Bells On. I do not recall lobbying for anything as a boy. As hard as I lobbied with my sisters for a Christmas tree, my parents objected. We're Jewish, they said. We don't do Christmas. We do Hanukkah instead. This did nothing to stop the, the lobbying. Anyway, Hanukkah was no su- substitute for Christmas. My parents, unlike my grandparents, didn't always remember to keep Hanukkah. And even when my mother remembered the festival, we children could see that a menorah and candles were not a Christmas tree. My parents kept kosher, went to shul on high holy days, but that was the extent of things in our house. My grandparents were properly observant Jews. My parents were not particularly observant Jews, while we children were quite simply bad Jews. We knew we were bad Jews because we wanted a Christmas tree. We were surrounded by Christmas, after all. When I was eight, I was offered the choice of playing a shepherd or wise man in my school's nativity play. I was a precocious child, and I had read widely, so I argued with the primary school teacher, pointing out that you could choose either to have wise men or shepherds, but not both, as the Gospels of Luke and Matthew contain accounts of very different nativities. Wisely, she declined to argue theology with an eight-year-old and instead pointed out to me that, as first shepherd, I would also be the narrator and would read from a scroll, and fearful of losing what was going to turn out to be a fairly good part with no actual lines to learn, I stilled my tongue. Christmas presents that was Christmas presents that was a battle we had already won. My sisters and me. I didn't it didn't matter that my mother wrote Happy Hanukkah in my Doctor Who annual with William Harnell on the cover. The book still arrived on Christmas Day in a pillowcase filled with gifts. What the present was called was mere semantics. As long as we got the swag, we did not care what was written on it. We were not jealous of friends who got Christmas presents. We were jealous of the friends with Christmas trees. Having a Christmas tree was what Christmas was all about. It had nothing to do with mangers and shepherds and, more properly, as I would no doubt have told you at length back then, wise men not as far as we were concerned. It was trees all the way, properly decorated ones with tinsel and glass balls and a star on top. We lobbied and we lobbied hard and we would not give up. My parents would not countenance it. They had not had Christmas trees when they were children. Instead, they had parents who disapproved of Christmas trees. You couldn't My mom told us, be Jewish and have a Christmas tree. I was a precocious child, and I had read widely, and I struck. But it's not Christian, I said. I think you'll find it is, dear, said my mother. That's why they call them Christmas trees, after all. They are actually, I told her proudly and precociously, a pagan relic. The trees. The things of people bringing trees into houses at the winter solstice and decorating them has nothing to do with Christianity. It's from pagan times. I'm not sure why it was better to be a pagan relic, but I hoped it was, and it seemed to shake my mother's certainty. Like my teacher, she knew better than to argue theology with an eight-year-old. Whether it was, as I thought at the time, my precocious argument, or more probably in retrospect, my sister's huge pleading eyes and trembling lower lip, I do not know. But my father went to the local market and picked out a Christmas tree for us and brought it home. We decorated it and we were content. Having won the Christmas battle, we had somehow won the, Quis- the Christmas war. My father even dressed up that Christmas Eve as Father Christmas with an enormous cotton wool beard to place our presents by our beds. We pretended to be as asleep as we could. What was that about? I asked my sister after he had gone. It was just Dad, she whispered. Are you sure? He was wearing Dad's dressing gown, she said sensibly. Of course it was him. It seemed to be one... The best things about having a good Jewish Christmas. We were never obligated to believe in Father Christmas, and the experiment was never repeated. But the Christmas trees were there to stay. A Christmas tree was bought normally on the last Saturday before Christmas for the rest of my childhood. Our more orthodox cousins, profoundly treeless, were both scandalized and impressed by this. But we were happy. We had a nice Jewish Christmas. We were content. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed my little story. Once again, that is Neil Gein's story, Hanukkah with bells on. And uh, I hope that you have a happy Christmas, a merry Christmas. I hope that... You keep on listening into the new year. We are back. We are going to be creating a lot more content and we're super excited and can't wait for more magical moments to come forward. I know this is a short episode and totally different without Leah and certainly I miss her. So I hope that you have a wonderful holiday season and can't wait to see you and hear from you in 2021. Cheers, guys.
0: Okay. Welcome to my Christmas story. This is Leah. I don't know what Kate told you. Um, I'm sure she explained that to you. So, this episode is going to be really exciting for me too, because it'll be a new Christmas story for me. Um, so my Christmas story is, well, it's not really a story that wraps up, but it's still going to be fun. Um... I'm going to read a few excerpts from J.R.R. Tolkien's Letters from Father Christmas. I don't think I need to talk about who J.R.R. Tolkien is, but just in case somebody doesn't know, he wrote The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and lots of other things. So, Letters from Father Christmas is not a book that he meant to publish. Um, What happened is he started writing letters every year when his oldest child, John, was three years old. Um, so this is 1920. So for the next 20 years, every year, his kids would receive a letter from Father Christmas. So he put a lot of work into them. He had polar bear postage stamps. He would dust them with snow, um and his kids would place letters in the fireplace to write back to him. Um, So I'm just going to read a few of the beginning stories, but like I said, there's 20 years worth. Um, Somebody, I think it was one of his granddaughters, maybe a great-granddaughter, compiled all these letters into this book so that other people can enjoy it. Um, And just since I'm reading it, just know that Tolkien had a lot of fun with it so if you so there's images of the real letters in the book where he's got like shaky father christmas handwriting to try to throw his kids off um anyway it's funny so the first letter is just really basic it says it's christmas house north pole 22nd of december 1920 dear john i heard you ask daddy what i was like and where i lived I have drawn me and my house for you. Take care of the picture. I am just off now for Oxford with my bundle of toys, some for you. Hope I shall arrive in time. The snow is very thick at the North Pole tonight. Your loving Father Christmas. Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip a few, uh, just for fun. So, they're coming from for for the first few years. They're going to John, then Michael and Hillary, but they just basic letters but then they get more exciting so this one's from cliff house top of the world near the north pole christmas 1925 i guess santa bought a new house my dear boys i am dreadfully busy this year it makes my hand more shaky than ever when i think of it and not very rich in fact awful things have been "'Happening, and some of the presents have spoiled, and I haven't got the North Polar Bear, North Polar Bear is his helper, to help me. "'And I have had to move house just before Christmas, so you can imagine what a state everything is in, "'and you will see why I have a new address, and why I can only write one letter between you both. "'It happened like this. "'One very windy day last November, my hood blew off and went and stuck on the top of the North Pole.' "'I told him not to, but the North Polar Bear climbed up to the thin top to get it down, and he did. "'The pole broke in the middle and fell on the roof of my house, "'and the North Polar Bear fell through the hole it made in the dining room with my hood over his nose, "'and all the snow fell off the roof into the house and melted, "'and put out all the fires and ran down into the cellars where I was collecting this year's presents, "'and the North Polar Bear's leg got broken. "'He is well again now, but I was so cross with him.' that he says he won't try to help me again. I expect his temper is hurt and will be mended by next Christmas. I send you a picture of the accident and of my new house on the cliffs above the North Pole, with beautiful cellars in the cliffs. If John can't read my old shaky handwriting, 1,925 years old, he must get his father too. When is Michael going to learn to read and write his own letters to me? Lots of love to you both, and Christopher, whose name is rather like mine. That's all. Goodbye, Father Christmas. Um, Then there's a P.S. Father Christmas was in a great hurry. Told me to put in one of his magic wishing crackers. As you pull, wish and see if it doesn't come true. Excuse thick writing. I have a fat paw. I help Father Christmas with his packing. I I live with him. I am the great polar bear. So, next year... Cliff House, top of the world, near the North Pole, Monday, December 20th, 1926. My dear boys, I am more shaky than usual this year. The North Polar Bear's fault. It was the biggest baying in the world and the most monstrous firework there ever has been. It turned the North Pole black and shook all the stars out of place, broke the moon into four, and the man in it fell in my back garden. He ate quite a lot of my Christmas chocolates before he said he felt better and climbed back to mend it and get the stars tidy. Then I found out that the reindeer had broken loose. They were running all over the country, breaking reins and ropes and tossing presents up in the air. They were all packed up to start, you see. Yes, it only happened this morning. It was a sleigh load of chocolate things which I always send to England early. I hope yours are not badly damaged. But isn't the North? polar bear silly and he isn't a bit sorry of course he did it you remember i had to move last year because of him the tap for turning on the rory borealis fireworks is still in the cellar of my old house the north polar bear knew he must never never touch it i only let it off on special days like christmas he says he thought it was cut off since we moved "'Anyway, he was nosing around the ruins this morning, soon after bre- breakfast. "'He hides things to eat there, and turned on all the northern lights for two years in one go. "'You have never heard or seen anything like it. "'I have tried to draw a picture of it, but I am too shaky to do it properly, "'and you can't paint fizzing light, can you? "'I think the polar bear has spoilt the picture rather.' Of course, he can't draw with those great fat paws. Rude, I can't, and right without shaking. By going and putting a bit of his own about me, chasing the reindeer and him laughing. He did laugh too. So did I when I saw him trying to draw reindeer and inking his nice white paws. Father Christmas had to hurry away and leave me to finish. He is old and gets worried when funny things happen. You would have laughed too. I think it is good of me laughing. It was a lovely firework. The reindeer will run quick to England this year. They are still frightened. I must go back and help pack. I don't know what Father Christmas would do without me. He always forgets what a lot of packing I do for him. The snowman is addressing our envelopes this year. He is Father Christmas's gardener, but we don't get much but snowdrops and frost ferns to grow here. He always writes in white, just with his finger. A Merry Christmas to you from the North Polar Bear. And love from Father Christmas to you all. Okay, I'm just going to go with I think we're just going to do maybe two more letters. They get a little bit a little bit longer every year. So this one: Cliff House: Top of the world near the North Pole, Wednesday, December 21st, 1927. My dear people. There seem to get more and more of you every year. I think at this point, Tolkien has four kids. I don't know. I get poorer and poorer. Still, I hope that I've managed to bring you all something you wanted, though not everything you asked for. Michael and Christopher, I haven't heard from John this year. I suppose he is growing too big and won't even hang up his stockings soon. It has been so bitter in the North Pole lately that the North Polar Bear has spent most of the time asleep, and has been less use than usual this Christmas. Everybody does sleep most of the time here in winter, especially Father Christmas. That's from the North Polar Bear. The North Pole became colder than any cold thing has ever been, and when the North Polar Bear put his nose against it, it took the skin off. Now it is bandaged with red flannel. Why did he? I don't know, but he is always putting his nose where it oughtn't be, into my cupboards, for instance. That's because I am hungry. Also, it has been very dark here since winter began. We haven't seen the sun, of course, for three months, but there are no northern lights this year. You remember the awful accident last year. There will be none again until the end of 1928." The North Polar Bear has got his cousin and instant friend the Great Bear to shine extra bright for us, and this year and this week I have hired a comet to do my packing by, but it doesn't work as well. The North Polar Bear has not really been any more sensible this year. I have been perfectly sensible and have learnt to write with a pen in my mouth instead of a paintbrush. "'Yesterday he was snowballing the snowman in the garden "'and pushed him over the edge of the cliff "'so that he fell into my sleigh at the bottom "'and broke lots of things. "'One of them was himself. "'I used some of what was left of him to paint my white picture. "'We shall have to make ourselves a new gardener "'when we are less busy. "'The man in the moon paid me a visit the other day, "'a fortnight ago, exactly. "'He often does about this time.' as he gets lonely in the moon, and we make him a nice little plum pudding. He is so fond of things with plums in it. His fingers were cold as usual, and the north polar bear made him play snapdragons to warn them. Of course he burnt them, and then he licked them, and then he liked the brandy, and then the bear gave him lots more, and he went fast asleep on the sofa. Then I went down to the cellars to make crackers and he rolled off the sofa and the wicked bear pushed him underneath and forgot all about him. He could never be away a whole night from the moon, but he was this time. I have never been expected to look after the man in the moon before. I was very nice to him and he was very comfy underneath the sofa. Suddenly the snowman, he wasn't broken then, rushed out of the garden next day just after tea time and said the moon was going out. The dragons had come out and were making an awful smoke and smother. We rolled him out and shook him and he simply whizzed back, but it was ages before he got things quite cleared up. I believe he had to let loose one of his simply terrificalest freezing magics before he could drive the dragons back into their hole, and that is why it has got so cold down here. The polar bear only laughs when I tell him that it's his fault, and he curls up on my hearthrug and won't do anything but snore. My messengers told me that you have somebody from Iceland staying with you. That is not so far from where I live, and nearly as cold. People don't hang stockings up there, and I usually pass by in a hurry, though sometimes I pop down and leave a thing or two for their very jolly Christmas trees. My usual way down is through Norway, Denmark, Germany, Switzerland, and then back through Germany, north France, Belgium, and so into England. And on the way home, I pass over the sea, and sometimes Iceland, and I can see their twinkling lights faint in the valleys under their mountains. But I go by quick, as my reindeer gallop as hard as they can there. They always say they are frightened a volcano or a geyser will go off underneath them. This must be all. I have written you a very long letter this year, as there was nothing to draw but dark and snow and stars. Love to you all, and happiness next year, your loving Father Christmas. Okay, last last Christmas story from Father Christmas. As you can see, every year it gets a little more intense with more characters. Uh, Top of the World, North Pole, Thursday, December 20th, 1928. My dear boys, another Christmas... You know, I'm pretty sure Tolkien had a girl, but I don't remember when. <laughs> My dear boys, another Christmas, and I am another year older, and so are you. I feel quite well all the same. Very nice of Michael to ask, and not quite so shaky. But that is because we have got all the lighting and heating right again after the cold, oh, excuse me, the cold, dark year we had in 1927. You remember about it? "'and I expect you remember whose fault it was. "'And what do you think the poor dear old bear "'has been and done this time? "'Nothing as bad as letting off all the lights, "'only fell from top to bottom of the main stairs on Thursday. "'Who'd left the soap on the stairs? Not me!' "'We were beginning to get first lots of parcels "'down out of the storerooms into the hall. "'Polar Bear would insist on taking an enormous pile on his head "'as well as lots in his arms.' Bang! Rumble! clatter, Clash! Awful moanings and growlings. I ran out onto the landing and saw he had fallen from top to bottom of his nose, leaving a trail of balls, bundles, parcels, and things all the way down, and he had fallen on top of some and smashed them. I hope you got none of these by accident. I have drawn you a picture of it all. Polar Bear was rather grumpy. He says my Christmas pictures always make fun of him, and that one year he will send one drawn of himself of me being idiotic but of course i never am and he can't draw well enough he juggled my arm and spoilt the pic- little picture at the bottom of the moon laughing and polar bear shaking his fist at it when he had picked himself up he ran outdoors and wouldn't help clear up because i sat on the stairs and laughed as soon as i found there was not much damage done at all that is why the moon smiled but the part showing polar bear angry was cut off because he smudged it Anyway, I thought you would like a picture of the inside of my new big house for a change. The chief hall is under the largest dome, where we pile the presents usually ready to load onto the sleighs at the doors. Polar Bear and I built it nearly all ourselves and laid all the blue and mauve tiles. The banisters and roof are not quite straight, but it doesn't really matter. I painted the pictures on the walls of the trees and stars and suns and moons. Then I said to Polar Bear, "'I shall leave the freeze to you.' "'He said, "'I should have thought that there was enough freeze outside, "'and your colors inside, all purpley-gray, blue, pale-greeny, "'are cold enough, too.' "'I said, "Don't "'Don't be a silly bear. "'Do your best. "'There's a good polar bear.' "'And what a result. "'Icicles all around the hall to make a freeze, "'and a fearful bright color to make a warm freeze. "'Well, my dears, "'I hope you will like the things I am bringing.' nearly all you asked for, and lots of other things you didn't, which I thought of at the last minute. I hope you will share the railway things and farm and animals often, and not think that they are absolutely only for the one whose stockings they were in. Take care of them, for they are some of my very best things. Love to Chris, love to Michael, love to John, who must be getting very big as he doesn't write to me anymore. I simply had to guess paints. I hope they were alright. Polar Bear chose them. He says he knows what John likes because John likes bears. Your loving Father Christmas. And my love, Polar Bear. Um, anyway, that is all, at least all I'm going to read. Uh, but I highly recommend that everybody, well... I guess I either recommend that everybody get a copy of this book and read these fun letters from Father Christmas or I think that uh, if you liked us reading Christmas stories send us a message on Instagram or to our email and maybe we'll remember that we wanted to do this next year (laughs) alright, Merry Christmas to everyone and cheers (laughs)